When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds that have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitles them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So reads part of the Declaration of Independence, adopted July 2nd, 1776, in a move from tyranny to freedom. It's interesting, in the day in which we live, some would actually uh, call this a racist document. I was just reading about a professor the other day who said just that. And that the way forward would be communism in our country. And yet we also remember the words of a Dr. Martin Luther King who affirmed that the Declaration of Independence was a promissory note for our freedom and a promise of freedom to come for all peoples. And as I share that word with us today, on this day, July 4th, by the way, thank you for taking time to come and worship on this July 4th, uh, this Saturday. You know, freedom is a cry from the human heart. It doesn't matter where a person lives. It doesn't matter what station or situation they've grown up in. Freedom is something that is as natural in the human heart as the desire is to love and be loved and to make the most out of one's life. These are essential characteristics of being a human being. And so freedom truly is a cry from the human heart because God has created humanity to be free. That's why that's there. It's not complicated. The reason why that cry is there, the reason why the desire is there, because God created us in our very nature to desire those noble and beautiful things. Um, and the reality is, is that this truth is expressed in people's hopes and dreams. That's how freedom manifests itself, by people's hopes and dreams in terms of how that can be realized in their life. Our nation's Declaration of Independence on July 1776 was a bold embrace of God's destiny for all of humanity. And human beings have been coming here ever since to realize that. Have we been perfect in its realization? No. Will we struggle along the way? Sure we will. We're human beings. But the reality is, is that many people throughout the world still see this place as a beacon of the light of freedom. In fact, I remember seeing some interviews recently of some people who had traveled from Venezuela to escape the Marxist regime of Maduro and, and his thugs, basically. Uh, a, a proud country, a wonderful people whom many are uh, living out of garbage cans now and having to uh, go to other countries wherever they can be. 
And some of these Venezuelans made some very interesting observations about what is going, in our, going on in our country at this very moment. As, uh, as a lot of uh, people, ha- some people have been tearing down statues across the country and burning cities and looting and destroying and calling for a change of government. These Venezuelans have warned us in videos and in, in words and in interviews that said, you know what, this is what we saw going on in our country a few years ago in Venezuela. The, staring down of, the tearing down of statues, uh, the calling for a more uh, Marxist form of government, and this is what we have in this moment, is, is a communist Marxist government in Maduro. And so they, they warned us in the United States to no longer go down this path and that because we could lose our freedoms. And they said it with such an impassioned voice because they had just gone through it in their own country and could no longer live there because of the suffering they were going through. The greatest work of freedom for the entire universe is actually found in the person of Jesus Christ. God's reconciling love, continuing to reach out to our world through his risen son, inviting all to be free. Um, Free from sin and death. Free from slavery and bondage. Freedom in him. In fact, we read in Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, The yoke that the Galatians were under was uh, the law, all 613 of them. And the Judaizers were busy trying to convince the Galatians that in order to really follow Christ, in order to really be uh, a perfect Christian, they had to submit to the law. Again, they had to fully fulfill the law in order to be righteous before God. And Paul was adamant about this. He said that they needed to say no to this bondage of the law from the Old Testament and say yes to the freedom that was found uniquely in Jesus Christ. And that is why Paul said to them, and Paul says to us today, uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not submit again then to the yoke of slavery. And so I think part of the reality is that you and I and every human being uh, need to embrace the depth of freedom that God invites us into. If you and I are truly open to the freedom that we have in Christ, uh, there will be a joyfulness about our lives. There will be a hope. Um, There will be a realization of dreams and our destiny that will bring joy to our lives and joy to the people that are around us because this is how God has designed the creation to be. In fact, as we enter more fully into freedom, into the freedom that God has for us, we will find that freedom in our relationship with Him and following Him and loving Him and in loving one another. Uh, And that's a wonderful thing, the freedom of His love and mercy. Uh, You know, a lot of times the truth is, is that we end up slinking back to the things that keep us in bondage. Sometimes that sin that we're involved in seems really appealing. And for us, it become, it's become like a medication that helps us when we're going through maybe a particularly painful or difficult time. And one of the things that you and I need to learn is to no longer go back to that thing that's medicating us or that form of bondage, but rather to press more deeply into the person of Jesus Christ and the freedom that he has uniquely to offer us. 
and that means a new set of patterns, that means a new way of living, and that means experiencing a freedom in him that we can find nowhere else. It means no longer feeling guilty. It means no longer entering into a certain behavior and a few moments later saying to yourself, oh my gosh, why did I do that for the thousandth time (laughs) that I've been trying to get away from it? No longer feeling this yoke of burden and oppression that is upon you. Could you imagine waking up in the morning before your feet hit the ground and realizing that you have 613 laws to fulfill in order to be righteous before God? I wouldn't get out of bed. Forget it. I'm not even going to get there. I have a hard enough time with the Ten Commandments, let alone 613 laws, right? It is for freedom Christ has set you free. And I think one of the things that human beings sometimes have the most difficult uh, reality to embrace is actually freedom. I think some people like to be in bondage. I I think some people like other people telling them what to do. I think some people actually like being on the dole and don't want to have to experience the, the calling of freedom in their life to take risk, the risk of failure, the risk of struggle, and the risk of becoming all that you can be in God. That's what freedom is all about. I believe part of the declaration of this hour is not only the declaration of independence, but the declaration from the Our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of God's will in this hour, part of God's desire in this hour and has been throughout history is that God wants the world to respond to his love by coming into relationship with the Son. For God so loved the world. There's no qualifier in that sentence. It's not a certain people group. It's not based on your economic status. It's not based on the color of your skin. It's not based on where you live. For God so loved Naples, that's not what it says. For God so loved California, it's not what it says. For God so loved the Asians, it's not what it says. It says, for God so loved the world. God loves everybody and desires to bring them into salvation, into his freedom that is uniquely found in his son, Jesus Christ. Living out this declaration starts with you. Don't bother thinking of somebody else who really needs to be hearing this message right now. You need to be hearing this message. Living out this declaration of freedom starts with you in this hour. And the way you and I really enter into this in this hour that we live is through personal repentance and revival. That means sacrifice. That means leaving the old ways of doing things or the old habits that we're involved in to a new way of living in Christ. Do you realize that it could be just one sin, one habit that you're struggling with in your life that is blocking you from the fullest freedom in Christ that you'd ever begin to imagine? And that is happening in your life if you're still struggling with a particular sin or a darkness or some area in your spirit or some dream where you have a sense in your heart that I need to move in this direction, but there's something holding me back. There's that yearning in your heart for freedom. That's what that is. 
You're yearning to be free. And guess what? It's not going to go away. That's the Holy Spirit calling you out. Yeah, you have that desire deep in your heart, that desire for holiness, that desire to be free, that desire to realize the fullness of who you are, because God has put that there, and God is not going to take it away. It's a gift. It's a gift. Sacrifice is a part of life. Sacrifice is a part of life. You and I know this. If you're ever going to really realize something of significance and worth and power and life-changing consequences in your life, sacrifice is going to be involved. And if somebody just hands it to you, it's going to mean nothing to you because you haven't invested in it, right? That's part of what you and I struggle with, struggle with in passing on our legacy to our children. It needs to mean something to them. How many kids have received the great inheritance just to blow it because they weren't ready for it? They didn't appreciate the sacrifice and, and the heart and the soul that went into it. Of the 56 who signed the Declaration of Independence, five were captured by British soldiers and tortured to death. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two of their sons were killed and two were captured. Nine fought and died during the war and many lost their families and their family fortunes. A huge sacrifice on the altar of the beginning of this country. They made this declaration together as they signed the Declaration of Independence. For the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Are you willing to do the same in this hour? If you don't realize that we are living in this hour, I don't know where you have been, but you have not been on this planet, with all due respect. This is the hour in which we are living. Are you willing to make a sacrifice in this hour for Jesus Christ, for one another, and for revival? Because you know, the church has a very important part to play in everything that is unfolding in this moment in which we live. It's a verse, this is a verse that I've read to you so many different times that you're probably tired of hearing it. But that's okay, I'm going to read it to you again. Because the reality is you and I are called in this moment like no other during this year to live into this verse. Because in a very real way, the future of our country and the future of this world hang in the balance. And you and I are looking out from our, our windows at, well, who's going to do something about this? <laughs> right? We're always looking to somebody else to do this. And you're going to get, you get before the Lord on Judgment Day, you're going to say to the Lord, Lord, why didn't you do something for the country? Why didn't you save it? And, and the Lord's going to remind you of this message today. He will. He's going to remind you that one of his priests shared this verse with you and your responsibility. If my people who are called by my name 
humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We are living in that moment. That moment is right now. If there is anything that our land needs in this moment more than anything else, it is healing. It needs healing on a lot of different levels. And I would suggest to you that we would not make the mistake of focusing in on just one or two different things that in your mind or my mind need healing. Let's just, let's just be in agreement, there's a lot that needs healing. But according to the scripture, you don't even have to start with all the ills of your country or your world. You don't have to start there. You need to start with yourself. That's what this word says in this moment. Second Chronicles 7.14. Write it down, read it, memorize it. That's your verse for the week. If my people who are called by my name will seek my face humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven. I will answer their prayer and forgive their sin and heal their land. That's the promise. The answer is not in a political leader or a political party. The answer is not in more money. The answer is not in kumbaya moments. The answer is in the church. The answer is in the church according to God's word. And I'm going to take God at his word. In closing, I ask you this day on this July 4th weekend and this July 4th day for your children and for your children's children, and for the future of this country and this world, are you willing to make the sacrifice for the healing that needs to take place? Pray for me as I pray for you, that we would humble ourselves under the almighty hand of God, that we would pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. that he'd hear our cry from heaven, that he'd hear our prayer, that he'd speak mercy upon our lives and heal our land. Let us pray. Lord, I'm thankful for your people gathered here in this place, in this hour. And Lord, I thank you for your word to us, which is unmistakable from 2 Chronicles 7.14, that you're looking at the church right now you're looking at us. And Lord, one of the things I think all of us would agree on in this moment, in this place, is that our land is in desperate need of healing. And Second Chronicles 7.14 is very clear about the steps that we need to take as your people. We need to humble ourselves before you, and we do in faith right now. Lord, we come before you in prayer and supplication on behalf of our own lives and others, and Lord, we ask especially for the grace in this moment to turn from our wicked ways 
that you would hear from heaven, that you would listen to our prayers, that you would forgive our sin, and, oh, Lord, that you would heal our land. Amen.